Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our December heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their family, and loved ones is currently available at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. This month's theme is Home for the Holidays. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO of your family. So please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show today, to kick off the holiday season, my guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. By the way, listeners, Amy is our featured expert for the Nana's Wisdom section of our August Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine. Please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story. As for this morning, Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Blessings of Christmas, 101 Tales of Holiday Joy, Kindness, and Gratitude. Good morning, Amy. Happy December, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? I am great. I'm really excited to talk about this book. Um, the book is doing so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are really responding to it. I think they need something that's warm and joyous and positive this holiday season. I was at a Walmart the other day and saw a whole bunch of our different titles mm-hmm. on display and an empty space where the Blessings of Christmas book was, but I know that they have ordered more. So hopefully they're mm-hmm. going to fill those shelves back up again. Well, that's fantastic. I know I really enjoyed Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Blessings for Christmas. It is a delightful and entertaining read. Congratulations on this release, obviously. What it does is that it helps us to get into the holiday zone, and that's what I love about it. <laughs> yeah, I, our Christmas books are always designed to kind of jumpstart your holiday spirit if you know, if you've been going through a tough time or whatever, this will get you out of those doldrums and get you all excited about the holidays, whether you're celebrating Christmas or Kwanzaa or you already celebrated Hanukkah. Yeah. Uh, but even if you already celebrated Hanukkah, people tend to do a little Christmas also. <laughs> and um, it's just, it's really a celebration of just the warmth and the, you know, community spirit mm-hmm. of the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. So true. Well, coming back to chicken soup, how is chicken soup celebrating the holiday season? Um, so, you know, we expanded our company a lot over the years mm-hmm. since I first started talking to you about our books. So mm-hmm. now our biggest business is our entertainment business. So <laughs> we have a really um, fun movie that came out uh, Thanksgiving week. Mm-hmm. This is really, really funny. It's called Black Friday, and it's about alien zombies taking over <laughs> on Black Friday in the stores. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the trailer, you see first the alien invaders, which are just the regular human shoppers, and then you see mm-hmm. zombies appearing also. It's just so funny. 
Um, <laughs> but we have a lot of new content in our entertainment business on our our Crackle, you know, television streaming mm-hmm. service, which has TV and film. And then we have a lot of new books, and I'm really excited because in addition to the blessings of Christmas, we have a new one that you and I already talked about called mm-hmm. Tough Times Won't Last But Tough People Will. Right. And that book is doing really well because a lot of people are buying that as a gift to give to somebody who's going through a tough time because the book is mm-hmm. so empowering and encouraging. We also have our devotionals book out, and I know you spoke to the wonderful Susan Heim and Karen Talcott about that, and that's another that has just sold out. Like We're completely out of stock in the warehouse, but you can still find it in stores. It's called Devotional Stories for Women. And then, I don't know if you know about this, Johnny, but mm-hmm. we have launched a new line of children's books. And this is awesome. really exciting because, you know, we've always been known to have books for preteens and teenagers, mm-hmm. and we've always been a really impar- important part of adolescence. Mm-hmm. But why shouldn't babies and preschoolers and, you know, early elementary school kids have chicken soup for the soul for them? So now we have a new line of books, Chicken Soup for the Soul Babies, which are these great board books. And then we have a line of picture books for kids more like ages four to seven. And Mm -hmm. we did this with a wonderful children's publisher called Charles Bridge. So Mm -hmm. we have these new books out in the stores now as well, and they're great. My grandchildren love them. (laughs) Well, that's wonderful. At least they are the one that can test drive it and let you know. (laughs) That is true, because me at 64 saying, I think a baby would love this. That doesn't really mm-hmm. count. But if my two-year-old grandson loves it, then we've got proof. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Well, the big question is, did you make it onto Santa's nice list this year? Oh, absolutely. I'm the chicken soup <laughs> for this whole lady. I oh. make it onto the list. I make it onto the good list every year. <laughs> well, good for you. That's really exciting. I'm so glad. Would you please tell us about the beautiful design for the Christmas book cover? It's just beautiful, and it really feels good to hold it in your hands. I'm so happy that I always get a copy from you guys, and this one is just, I don't know, it's just so heartwarming. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) It is, isn't it? I mean, we have this beautiful scene on the front cover of a window that has some frost on it, and you can see snow outside. And then you can tell you're inside a warm home decorated for Christmas. We actually had even more decorations on it, but then one of the book distributors said to us, could you remove a few of them because it's too busy? And so Mm -hmm. we took maybe three decorations off the front cover, and Mm. it came out looking perfect. And I think it's one reason why the book is doing so great. And then, you know, we always emboss the title, yeah. You know, which means mm-hmm. we, that it's a raised, it's raised, and it, mm-hmm. it costs about, I don't know, ten cents or more per book oh, to add that yeah. feature, which is a lot when you're printing a book. Right. But I think it's worth it, and it just makes it even nicer as a gift. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a beautiful piece. I hate to say this, like if you don't want to read it, that's okay. Just buy the book and put it as a decorative piece. <laughs> you know, we it's hear beautiful. that from people. They say, I bought the book and I left it on the fireplace mantle as like part of my holiday decor. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. People mm-hmm. definitely use our Christmas books as part of their decorations. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really, really wonderful. So what can you tell us about the term Santa Safe? So that is not like an industry term or mm-hmm. any term that you would have heard anywhere else. It's just something that I made up. And what happened was many years ago, more than 10 years ago, I said, we have to be really careful with our books that we don't reveal any information Mm -hmm. that would destroy the magic for children. And so in our books, even a precocious little reader, you know, a seven-year-old can read our books and we keep the magic alive about Santa and the elves and how the gifts are delivered and all of that. So that's what we mean when we say our books are Santa safe, that even the youngest reader mm-hmm. can read the stories or have the stories read to him or her. And we, and we will, you know, we promise that it will keep the magic alive. There will be no um, unfortunate knowledge conveyed. Right, right, right. Well, that's wonderful. That's beautiful. So anybody can read it basically. Yeah, I mean, we just figured we're not going to be the ones to destroy the magic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Leave that That's to the beautiful. older siblings. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So true. Are there other holiday stories in the book besides the Christmas ones? Oh, yeah. We always start with Thanksgiving, and we have a ton of Thanksgiving stories. Then we have Hanukkah stories. Then we have Christmas stories. And then we have New Year's stories. So we do the mm-hmm. whole holiday season. One of the things that I really like what Chicken Soup does is that the royalties for this book goes to the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve Toys for Tots program. Can you tell us about other Chicken Soup books in 2021 that have their royalties benefiting other nonprofits? Yeah, we love doing that. This is actually our fifth Christmas book that's supporting Toys for Tots. And in 2021, we also continued our support for American Humane, which is the oldest animal welfare organization in the United States, and they're very Mm -hmm. active um, protecting pets when there are natural disasters. They're big advocates and supporters of shelters and adopting pets from shelters. They make sure that um, farming is humane. They make sure that zoos are run properly and are humane. Um, And so we used this year's dog and cat books to support American Humane. So that's, um, and these books are actually still out there. They're bestsellers too. Um, One is called My Hilarious Heroic Human Dog and the other is My Clever Curious Caring Cat. Mm -hmm. And then we also did a humor book earlier in the year uh, called Read, Laugh, Repeat. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that, that has stories from our library. We found a bunch of funny stories in our library and made a new collection out of them. And we had the writers of those stories pick from about 10 or 12 charities that we showed them, and they picked four charities that will receive royalties from that book. And these are um, nonprofits that provide entertainment to patients in hospitals and other care facilities, and also entertainment for frontline workers in healthcare facilities. That's wonderful. That's really, really wonderful. Would you please share with us the various chapters covered in The Blessings of Christmas? 
Oh, sure. And you know what? It is so much fun for me to make the chapters because it's a Christmas book. So it, right. I really enjoyed picking out, I really enjoyed like picking out the 101 stories and then sorting them into chapters. So we have nine chapters. The first one is called The True Meaning, and it's all about giving and, you know, what really matters mm-hmm. during the holidays because it's all about giving, not receiving. The second chapter is called Kindness and Gratitude. The third chapter is called Santa's Helpers. Um, Fourth chapter is Treasured Traditions. Lots of really interesting family traditions. Fifth chapter is called The Joy of Giving. And the sixth chapter is Tales of the Tree, because there's always tales of the Christmas tree, right? Christmas tree disasters, Charlie Brown Christmas trees, tree Mm -hmm. falling over, just everything having to do with the Christmas tree. That's always an adventure. Um, chapter seven is called Around the Table, and it's about you know the gatherings and the food mm-hmm. that is shared and all that warmth and joy around the table. Chapter eight is called Getting Creative and has a lot of great <laughs> ideas, including ways that people dealt with the pandemic you know, and came up with an right. office party despite the pandemic, that kind of thing. And then chapter nine is called The Perfect Gift. And, of course, The Perfect Gift usually doesn't involve spending a lot of money. It's all about the thought that went into it. Mm-hmm. So those are our chapters. Um, they're really, really fun. It's a great read. I mean, I just loved putting this book together, and I think everybody's going to really enjoy these stories. Well, I certainly do. The stories are very engaging. It's about comfort. It's like you can read one story just the perfect length, so to speak, <laughs> that you can finish oh, the yeah. story. <laughs> right. Nice and people are busy. <laughs> right. People are so busy, so maybe you don't have time to sit down and read a 400-page book that's one story all the way through. But right. in our book, you have 101 short stories, so you can mm-hmm. read one a day, you know, and it will take you right. five or ten minutes. Right, right. So true. Do you think the holiday season brings out the best in people? Oh, yeah, definitely. You you see that, right? How people mm-hmm, are just mm-hmm. kind of joined. and I mean, there's almost something about how it gets dark early, so then you're inside and you're all <laughs> together and it's dark out there and, and everybody's engaged in whatever their their holiday traditions are. Everybody's mm-hmm. kind of excited and I think it's a wonderful time of year. I think people are, um, you know, really excited. And this year in particular, because last year we were all kind of hunkered down. Remember, right, the vaccines right. were just starting for healthcare mm-hmm. workers in December. And so virtually nobody had gotten a vaccine yet. And this year we're all feeling, variants aside, we're all feeling right. a lot safer. Um, I just talked to a friend who was, you know, fully vaccinated and and just got COVID anyway, but he's having oh. such a mild case. But it's so mild that he says it right. feels like he has a cold. You know, he just did the right. test just in case, and then he was surprised that it's not just a cold because that's what it feels like. So everybody, I think, feels a lot more comfortable this year, you know, that right. you can actually visit friends and family and go to the stores and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a sense of comfort and appeasement to whereby 
it's okay. Things are going back to normal and being able to engage someone, the human factor, that is, to be able to connect oh, with yeah. people. Oh, yeah. We were all kind of lonely. Like, we like being together. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. By the way, you're listening to From My Mom's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's a quick reminder to check out the December edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. The theme for this month is Home for the Holidays. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy is also our featured expert for the Nana's Wisdom section in our August Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine. Please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story. Well, Amy, let's talk about some of the wonderful stories. I love this book, so I can't wait to get into it. So chapter one, The True Meaning, is the title of the chapter. And the story that I really like is My Most Memorable Christmas Gift by Donna Marsh. Yeah, so Donna says that her family wasn't poor as she was growing up, but they certainly weren't rich. And her dad sometimes worked two jobs to provide for them. But then... One year, things were different, and Donna's mom got a job, too. And with income from both parents, their Christmas promised to be the best one they'd ever had. And so Donna and her brother couldn't wait for Christmas morning. But then, just before the holiday, their mother's coworker passed away, and she left behind a partially disabled husband and a baby and several other children, and this was a coworker at the store where Donna's mom worked. And everyone at the store got together to make sure that the family still had Christmas. And so Donna, who was in first grade, got to pick out a few items for the younger children in that bereaved family. And she said that was the beginning of her looking at Christmas a bit differently. She began to feel the joy of giving. You know, because mm-hmm. think about it, first grade she was probably – five or six years old. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Christmas morning arrived and Donna and her brother found more presents than they had ever imagined. But then later that morning, a neighbor stopped by and told them that there was a single mother who lived in the neighborhood who hadn't been able to give her children a Christmas. So he was asking people if they had anything they could donate. And Donna and her brother sat down with their parents And they immediately went through all the gifts that they had just received and put a whole bunch aside to give to that unfortunate family. And so she says this was really her introduction to the joy of giving, you know, a first grader. And it's one of her favorite Christmases ever because it was the year that she discovered the joy of giving. And I thought that was great. And it's always good to remind people that kids are not – inherently selfish like right, kids are right. happy to share and to and to give to others if they're given the opportunity so i right. really liked that story yeah well that story is just beautiful in the sense that to me parents take the lead in terms of teaching kids about mindfulness and sharing because that's what how i grew up in malaysia we didn't have much either 
but we're always there to step up whenever needed. Yeah, and kids like doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. Most people are really happy to give, and most people really would rather give than receive. They just mm-hmm. need an opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's true, and I'm glad you brought the idea of people like to give rather than receive. I have a very tough time when I was going through some tough times in terms of receiving because I've always been giving, right? Even though we don't have much, we always give. <laughs> and the tables turn, it's very difficult to receive. But then if you are gracious in receiving mm-hmm. gifts, then you're giving someone else the joy of giving to you. Oh yeah. So you're oh, really yeah. I- doing a kindness for the person who's giving to you also. Right, right, right. So true. I totally agree about that because we always think about ourselves, right? But in all actuality, it's the other person. Hit it right on the nose in terms of like the giving, you're giving them the opportunity to feel the joy of giving by receiving. Exactly. Yeah. Chapter two, kindness and gratitude. And I love this story, Everyday Miracles by Linda LaRocque. So this story by Linda LaRocque is a really good example of what we were just talking about because mm-hmm. um, Linda was involved in um, a food pantry, and then because of COVID, the event that they had was canceled, and so they couldn't raise the money for the food pantry, um, which was upsetting because she really looked forward to working on this event each year and raising funds for the food pantry. But then this was in 2020. The weather got better, and so they were able to reinstate the event and raise money for the food pantry. And here was the amazing part of it. Linda had been going through the drive-thru line at a fast food restaurant, and the elderly lady who worked the line there had started talking to her, and she had told Linda that her family wasn't going to have Thanksgiving because they couldn't afford it. And that had made Linda really sad. Well, then Linda went off, did her food pantry event, all of that. Then she went to the drive-thru again after Thanksgiving. And the lady started crying and said, you won't believe it. You just won't believe it. I had a Thanksgiving. It was a miracle. The food pantry gave me a 19-pound turkey and all the fixings. (laughs) And she had her family over and they watched the Macy's Parade And Linda had a hard time not crying, driving her car through the the fast food line because that lady had gotten her Thanksgiving dinner from the food pantry that Linda supported. So Mm -hmm. she was just really happy that she had been part of making that happen. It's a beautiful story because, again, it comes back to the idea of how can I help? And we can help in so many different ways that we don't even know. And sometimes you volunteer to help, mm-hmm. and then everything falls into place and allows you to actually pull off a miracle for someone. And there's another story in that mm-hmm. chapter called The Miracle Coat. It's by Jean Cassetta. Mm-hmm. And she had a miracle because she was having a Christmas season dinner with some good friends from work, and then one of her friends uh, told them this sad story about a guy she knew whose house had just burned down and he had lost everything and he didn't even have a coat 
And so everyone at the dinner wanted to donate money to help this young man. Mm -hmm. But the friend said that she knew he wouldn't accept money. He would just take some hand-me-down clothing, and he really needed a warm coat. So Jean volunteered to get him a coat and then was told that he wore a size 2XL, which is a very large coat. So that was mm -hmm. going to make it a lot harder to find him a used coat. But Jean took on, you know, the challenge, and for some reason she couldn't sleep one night, and she just kept thinking she had to go to this one thrift store that she knew about. And so she went the next day. It was only two days before Christmas, and she was super busy, but she had just been up all night thinking, I have to go to that particular thrift store. So she went to the thrift store, but they didn't have – a size 2 XL coat. She searched through all their coats and jackets. And then just as she was leaving, a lady said, wait, are you looking for a coat? They had just opened up the um, donation bin, you know, the outdoor bin, and there had been one mm -hmm. item in the outdoor bin, and it was a size 2 XL coat. Brand new one, by the way. Wow. Yeah, so Jean was absolutely stunned. I mean, if she had left the store... Five minutes sooner, she wouldn't have found the coat. But she was yeah. so happy. But that was a great – she volunteered to take on this big challenge, and then the universe kind of came together and made it happen <laughs> for her, and she found the coat. And so she writes this story about how happy it made her. It's mm -hmm. all about the joy of giving. That's beautiful. That really is beautiful. That leads me to Chapter 3, Santa's Helpers. And it's along those lines in terms of, again, doing something special and it's a gift from the heart, so to speak. The story is The Christmas Elf by Monica Edelman. Yeah, Monica writes a lot of stories for us. <laughs> She's, she has a very interesting life. So she tells us that her mother-in-law had become a widow just around Thanksgiving. So she didn't feel like putting up a Christmas tree mm -hmm. you know, just a few weeks later. And this was a woman who had always made a really big deal about Christmas. You know, she had lights in the front yard, lights in the backyard, <laughs> decorations hanging from the ceiling, candles glowing everywhere, wreaths and poinsettias in every window, always a fresh-cut Christmas tree, um, great Christmas Eve dinner. But this year, Monica's mother-in-law didn't feel like doing any of that because she had just lost her husband of 50 years. Mm -hmm. So Monica just couldn't stand the thought of her mother-in-law having nothing. So she went out shopping, and she saw fresh-cut, tiny Christmas trees, like tabletop size. And so she bought one of these trees, and she bought some tinsel and some ornaments, and then she carried that tree and those decorations home because she had walked to the store. So she walked home half a mile carrying this Christmas tree, and her husband wasn't sure this was a good idea because he thought, you know, mom said she doesn't want anything. So Monica said, well, let's just decorate it and drop off the tree and we'll just do it anonymously. And so they wrote a note and they signed it from the Christmas elf instead of putting their own names. <laughs> but as they were leaving the tree at the front door, they got caught by Monica's mother-in-law. But she loved the tree. And she said there was only one thing missing and she went and she got a little framed photo of her late husband, and she placed it on the table underneath the tree. Mm -hmm. And so 
That Christmas, her mother-in-law loved the tree, told everybody about her daughter-in-law, the Christmas elf who carried the tree half a mile home. (laughs) And so it was worth doing it. And there's a lesson in that also, that when you have that inclination to do something nice, don't second-guess yourself, just go with it. You're not going to get in trouble for doing something nice. There you go. And especially for a mother-in-law, how's that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she Monica was right. She really assessed the situation correctly. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. That brings me to Chapter 4, Treasured Tradition. And this is another one of those family stories. And this is a beautiful one because we go through this, I don't know, I mean, I would say almost, I mean, like forever kind of thing. And the story is Half Jewish, Half Christmas by Beth David Goodwin. Yeah, so Beth Beth is Jewish, and she tells us that her boyfriend, who was a fairly new boyfriend, asked her what Jews did for Christmas. And so she gave the traditional answer. They go to the movies and then go out for Chinese food. And when he didn't believe her, she told him to ask some other Jewish friends, and they all gave him that same traditional answer. I mean, it's not really true. Like, plenty of Jews don't do that. They celebrate Christmas as a non-religious but very fun holiday. But the Chinese food and a movie thing, that's like the traditional option. (laughs) So anyway, that Christmas, Beth says that there were some gifts under the tree at her boyfriend's house, and... They'd only begin, They'd only been together for a few months, so she was surprised that one of the gifts was quite large. And it was wrapped in blue and white, which are the colors of Israel, and also like kind of traditional colors for wrapping Hanukkah gifts. So she opened up this gift from this new boyfriend, and inside the box was a menorah, which was really nice because that was his way of saying, I accept your holiday also. So by the following Christmas, they were married, and her husband's family was really into Christmas. Um, But her husband said, not a problem. We'll do Christmas morning with my family, and we'll do Christmas afternoon. The Jewish way, we'll go out to a movie in Chinese. And so they did that until they had a couple of little girls, and you know they really couldn't go out to the movies in Chinese, so they got takeout and rented (laughs) movies. But anyway, it was really cute because when their daughter Sarah was in the first grade, she had to complete a worksheet about her family's holiday traditions. And she wrote in her best first grade handwriting, I'm half Jewish and half Christmas. <laughs> it's just a beautiful story. I thought that story, was very, very cute. Yeah. Yes, definitely. That's what matters. If it brings people together, why not? Do you have... Uh, story in this chapter that you really like? Well, there's this amazing story by Yogi Yata Singh Dave, um, and she was raised in India in a mm-hmm. Hindu family, so she didn't know anything about celebrating Christmas, but then she moved to the United States, and she says that the year she gave birth to her first child was also the year she first celebrated Christmas. And she wanted to embrace the traditions of the country that her new child, you know, would call home. Mm -hmm. And so um, she started out by hanging stockings over the fireplace. And then when her son 
was three, she put gifts under the tree. And when he was four, they started singing Christmas carols together. And she kept adding on Christmas traditions, and she loved it. And she says that step by step, year by year, she was getting the hang of Christmas and the aura and the magic of Mm -hmm. it. I think she wrote some great points in her story. Like, here, I'll I'll read you a quote from her story. Festivals have the power to unite people from distant lands and distinct backgrounds. They may be rooted in different histories and religions, but they carry a universal appeal. Be it Mm -hmm. Christmas or Diwali, they are celebrations of light, hope, new beginnings, and the innate goodness of humanity. They are times when we can set aside our differences and connect purely on the values of love, charity, and respect. So, Here you have this woman raised in India in a Hindu family, and she totally nailed it, what's so great about Christmas, right? Because she comes in as an outsider, and she totally gets it. And I loved her perspective. Um, I just thought this was such a great explanation of the Christmas spirit and and Mm -hmm. really delves into why we all love Christmas so much. I totally agree because I think, especially nowadays, where basically we're living in a global village, and I remember growing up in Malaysia where, as children, we're all excited about celebrating all the various religious holidays. Who cares? Like, okay, this month we're going over there. (laughs) Next month they're coming over here. And so having that wonderful spirit being recognized here Christmas. That's fantastic. This is really a beautiful story. And again, it's about looking through the lens of love and connecting with people. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah, I I thought she did a masterful job. I mean, there's some really great, great quotes in her story. And it opened my eyes and I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, this is why I love Christmas. She totally, (laughs) she, she explained it to me. You know, as an outsider, she explained it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wonderful. That's beautiful. Chapter 5, The Joy of Giving, Because We Get To, by Christine Jamola. Yeah, so um, so remember how we had that story by uh, Donna Marsh about how mm-hmm. she learned about the joy of giving when she was in first grade? Yeah. And so this is another great story about a kid understanding the joy of giving and in this case the mom learned something from the kid and so Christine says that she didn't grow up with much so she basically overcompensated for her children at Christmas and you know basically I think you know she felt she probably gave them too much (laughs) at Christmas time but that's okay because she didn't spoil her children because she tells a story Mm -hmm about her son, um, and when he was 10, they started a new tradition of choosing a child from one of those angel trees Mm -hmm. and fulfilling that child's gift request. So her son was really excited because they picked uh, one that was a little boy who was also 10. And they went to the store, and the child had asked for underwear and socks, and her son said, well, yeah, but he doesn't just want underwear. He wants SpongeBob underwear. <laughs> and then he made sure that he got him sweatpants and a hoodie. And then when they were passing the candy aisle, 
Her son reminded her that the child needed a stocking, and he knew just the candy to fill it. So her son was going crazy, picking out all this stuff for this 10-year-old boy who he didn't know, but he felt such an affinity for. And then when they were in the toy section, the boy had said he liked puzzles. So Christine was going to you know, take her son and pick out a puzzle for this mm-hmm. little boy. But her son insisted they buy the boy a bike, a whole bike. That's a mm. big ticket item. <laughs> and that was going to ruin Christine's Christmas budget. I mean, a bike, that's major. <laughs> so um, her son insisted, though. So then they were in the checkout line, and this man asked her son, are you getting a new bike? And her son said, no, not me. It's for my friend. He needs a bike for Christmas. And the stranger said, he's lucky to have a friend like you to give him such a nice gift. And then Christine's 10-year-old son said, nah, I'm the lucky one because I'm able to give it. And at that, Christine almost burst into tears at the checkout line. She was so moved by her son's generosity and by him expressing the fact that he felt lucky because he was able to give a gift to this boy he didn't even know. So, you know, these times when everybody says, oh, kids want stuff, they're selfish, blah, 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 it's really nice to see these stories that remind us that kids are great too and they're not selfish and they're just as giving as adults. No, it's not. I love the story simply because, again, it's the parents that sort of create the opportunity the kids will take the lead, and in this case, that beautiful heart showing up and said, this is what I want to do. But then many times when I was growing up, I got into those kind of situations and not realizing, like, <laughs> this situation, how much it costs. <laughs> right. Because we want to give, right? Because that's how we are, Amy. We want to give the world to someone. <laughs> I Every Christmas, I've... I would just rather give gifts to everybody else. I don't want anything for myself because that's what feels good. And I think that we have numerous examples of kids being told, well, if you give (laughs) such and such to these other people, you're not going to get presents yourself. And the kids are like, that's okay. We're fine. Right, right, right. So true. Well, Chapter 6, do you have a story that you really like in that? Oh, this is um, the Tales of the Tree chapter. Mm -hmm. So there is a story in this chapter that is about a tree, but it's about a really important additional topic, which is getting through Christmas after losing somebody. I mean, the holidays Mm -hmm. are really tough for people, especially when it's, you know, the first Christmas without that person. And so um, in this story, Kathy Boyd Thompson tells us that she was going through her first Christmas after losing her husband. And she just didn't know how to make the Christmas special for her children and grandchildren either because they were all mourning, you know, their father, their grandfather. Mm-hmm. And and Kathy wasn't really getting any joy from decorating and cooking and wrapping presents. And She was trying to figure out a way to get through the first Christmas season without her husband and make it meaningful. And so she put up a tree because... She just felt like she should, and she decorated it with lights, but then she just couldn't get herself to add the ornaments, and then she realized she could do something really special, and so she asked each of the children and grandchildren to bring an ornament for the tree 
an ornament that reminded them of their father or grandfather. And then after their holiday dinner, they gathered in the living room and they one at a time put their ornament on the tree and discussed the meaning of the ornament and what it represented as far as a memory they had with their father or grandfather or, you know, some story about him. And so it ended up being great, and they called their Christmas tree the remembering tree. And I was really happy to include that story in the book because I thought I could easily see one of our readers adopting that idea. It's a great idea. Oh, definitely. That's a wonderful solution where incorporating joy in the grieving process, I think that's the most important thing. And this is a perfect way to do so. And it made them feel like he was still there with them. You yeah, know, yeah. They were able to bring his presence back mm-hmm. into their holiday gathering. Oh, yeah, definitely. So true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Google Play. Here's a quick reminder to check out the December edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. The theme for this month is Home for the Holidays. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Blessings of Christmas, 101 Tales of Holiday Joy, Kindness, and Gratitude. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, Chapter 7 is really cool, Around the Table, and you know me with from my mama's kitchen. And, of all things, I love this story, A Gumbo Christmas by Angie Chapman. Yeah, so Angie tells us that her parents got divorced and then her mother was struggling financially, and she didn't really admit this to her family, but she did explain that she wasn't going to get a tree and she was only going to buy token Christmas gifts for the children. So that led Angie and her brother and sister to decide to go and visit their mom for Christmas, and they had to travel to Chicago from Iowa California and upstate New York, but they they could tell their mother really needed them. So then when she heard they were coming, she decorated, and then she decided to invite the whole extended family over for Christmas dinner, even though it wasn't her year to host. <laughs> so normally Christmas dinner in their family was a potluck, but mm-hmm. this year their mother said, I'm going to make the whole meal Nobody should bring anything, and that's going to be my gift to everybody. So, But remember I said her mother was struggling financially? Well, they woke up Christmas morning and discovered that the oil had run out and they had no heat. Luckily, their stove and oven and hot water heater ran on gas, so they did have hot water and they could still cook. Um, And it turned out that Angie's mom had chosen to make her famous gumbo because the ingredients (laughs) cost less than going with like a ham or turkey or roast beef for a large group. So Angie and her siblings shivered in thick socks and heavy sweaters as they chopped and prepped all the ingredients for gumbo. And they ended up having 25 relatives over (laughs) and it ended up being great. Nobody even noticed that the heat had gone out because there was the heat of their bodies and you know, the goodwill that they had. And so 
um, it was just a really nice story about improvising and how you can make Christmas dinner for 25 people even when you have no money and no heat. There you go. And gumbo. I tell people I'm from Louisiana. and I love gumbo and perfect dish for the cold season. It warms the heart, warms the soul, and warms the body. <laughs> That's right. Do you have a story that you like in this chapter? Well, I always love stories about bringing in people who don't have anywhere else to go for Thanksgiving mm-hmm. or Christmas Eve. So there's a story from Elise Seafried, and I thought this was interesting. Her son, Evan, was at the Naval Academy, and he asked if he could invite a few of his classmates home for Thanksgiving because they were exchange students from other countries. And I didn't even know that we did that, that the Naval mm. Academy would host, you know, kids from other yeah. countries. I had no idea, but apparently they do. And so the students that her son brought home with him were from, two of them were from Cameroon in Africa. Uh, one was from Romania and one was from Thailand. So Elise decided she would make them a traditional American Thanksgiving, but then she would also make something from each of their countries. Mm-hmm. And so she did her best. The one that really was hard, though, was something called fufu for the guys from Cameroon. <laughs> it's a kind of cornmeal mush. And she couldn't get the recipe to work at all. It's supposed to be rolled into balls and then dipped into sauce, but her fufu mm. just like lay there in a liquid, mushy state. But yeah, the kids yeah. loved it anyway. They were so excited about their foo-foo, and so <laughs> she just felt really great about you know, being their American mom for the day and making them feel at home. And it's just a great reminder about how much fun it is when you do open up your holiday table to people who have nowhere else to go. It ends up being a lot of fun for the whole family. Yeah, definitely. I tell you what. We are not only learning when you talk about being a foreign student and so forth, and I was one of them. It's not about learning the ABCs and the formulas. It's about learning the culture. There are a lot of us out there that wants to assimilate into the society. What better event than to be able to pretty much break bread with a host family and learn the culture? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Even Americans hosting other Americans, Mm -hmm. you go into someone else's holiday meal and you learn their traditions because everybody does it a little differently. So even if you think you're an old pro at Thanksgiving or Christmas Eve dinner, if you go and you do it with another family, you are exposed to a different way of doing things. Right. So true. So very true. Well, Chapter 8, Getting Creative. And I love this story. I think this is a very nice touch. Creating a Christmas Tree by Samantha Waltz. So I like Samantha's story because we do have a number of stories about people making do without you know, their normal holiday budget. Mm-hmm. And this was uh, a story about a year when Samantha's husband's business was struggling and she had a part-time job, but it had been put on hold. And so they weren't going to go buy a Christmas tree. So They went outside in their own backyard, and there was this five-foot-tall, scraggly, 
I don't know, some kind of evergreen, but it was just like a big scraggly bush, and it had two trunks. It looked terrible, but her husband insisted that they should cut it down and that he could make these two trunks with these awful branches into one tree. And so he used clippers and a drill and a pocket knife, and he cut branches off one tree, stuck them in the other one, and it still looked pretty awful. It was definitely a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, but mm-hmm. at least it would hold some lights. And then they decided to make some ornaments. They baked cookies. Um, and, you know, she went through how they did it. Like you you roll out the dough and then you uh, cut it with the cookie cutter and you decorate it. And then you make the hole before you bake it, the hole that the string mm-hmm. is going to go through to hold it on the tree, which was a good reminder to make that hole ahead of time. Um, and so they baked cookies, and Samantha's big concern was her daughter was very concerned about how their tree was going to look versus her friend's tree because her friend was from a family that had a gorgeous, perfect 12-foot tree that looked like something from a magazine. But mm-hmm. her friend came over and loved their scraggly little excuse for a tree and said it was one of the prettiest in the neighborhood. And... Um, I bet that Samantha's kids end up remembering that Charlie Brown Christmas tree is one of the best ones they ever had. <laughs> Definitely. It's something you create. It's one of a kind. That's the whole idea. <laughs> right, and it was a family project. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm one of those people who doesn't think – I don't think you need a, a perfect Christmas tree. I mean, I honestly <laughs> go to the store and – on purpose by an imperfect Christmas tree because it's going in a corner anyway, so I don't need it mm-hmm. to be perfect all the way around. It can have, yeah. you know, one imperfect part, and I would just rather leave the perfect ones for somebody who cares. <laughs> and since I really don't care, it would just be wasted for me to have a perfect one. And yeah. so, um, and the tree always ends up looking great because it's all the decorations and everything that make it so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. And the spirit of it. It's beautiful. Well, chapter nine, the perfect gift. This is the last chapter. And I really like this story because I think it really is about the heart and intentions. So the story is A Second Chance for a Second Chance by Tanya Sosa. So in this story, Tanya tells us that her mother was great at finding an old piece of furniture and then refinishing and reupholstering it and then reselling it. And one year, not long before she was diagnosed with leukemia, she gave Tanya a chair that she had refinished and reupholstered, and Tanya loved it. But a couple of years later, when Tanya was having financial problems, she was forced to sell this chair. I mean, she really didn't want to, but this guy wanted to buy it, and she needed the money. So... Her mom never admonished her for selling the chair because she knew that Tanya had sold it under duress. Well, 25 years then passed, and Tanya was still thinking about that chair. And then because she took after her mother, she liked to visit thrift shops. And one day she was in a thrift shop, and she saw a little edge of a chair buried in a corner under some boxes and some used drapes. She knew that fabric. It was her chair. It was in really bad shape, and it was just stuck in this corner. 
So Tanya wanted to buy it, but the lady who worked at the thrift shop wouldn't sell it because there was no price marked on it. And Tanya kept going to the thrift shop, but it was always closed. So she told her husband she was giving up and trying to buy back her old chair. And then on Christmas Eve, her husband asked her to go down to the basement and grab an extra chair. Well, he had managed to get the thrift shop to sell it to him, and he had fixed up the chair himself. And Tanya says, it was the most precious gift I could have received. I took it as a message from my mother, too. After all those years, the gift of love found its way back to me as a gift mm-hmm. of love again. I thought, great husband, right? That was a really cool move. Um, and very, very meaningful. And I thought that was just a great example of a perfect Christmas gift. Right. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. Do you have a story that you'd like to close out this chapter with? Well, I I really love when people do those like 12 days of Christmas things, mm-hmm. you know, where they come up with a different gift every day because oh, it's yeah. just so clever. And so um, in in the case of this story, Andy Skidmore tells us that she had a friend with cancer. And so 12 days before Christmas, Andy began to sing the 12 days of Christmas to her friend. So each day she would appear at her friend's door and she would sing the verse for that day and hand her friend a gift that in some way symbolized the verse. Like the first day um, she gave her a basket of pears with an artificial bird tied onto the basket. And the second day, which is, you know, two turtle doves, she gave her friend a soap dish with two bars of dove soap. So she just went through the 12 days of Christmas song and picked something that was appropriate for each day. And then the following Christmas, Andy's friend was doing great after her cancer, and she gave Andy a beautiful box of 12 ornaments, and each ornament represented a verse from the 12 days of Christmas song. And then a couple of years later, another friend began a cancer battle, and Andy and some of her friends decided that they would do the 12 days of Christmas for that friend. So she gave us a list of all the different things that they gave their friend, and I just thought they were so clever. Um, Like four calling birds, day four, Mm -hmm. they gave her a phone calling card. That's back when you had to pay for long distance. (laughs) And an address book for her telephone numbers, back when you had address books. Um, (laughs) And on day five, which is five golden rings, they gave her five jars that had gold lids, and they filled the jars with an assortment of things. Um, Day eight, which is eight maids of milking, they -hmm. gave their friend milk and whipped cream. And on day 10, which is 10 lords a-leaping, they gave their friend an exercise video and ankle weights and a sweatband. So they just, for each day, picked something really clever. Yeah. Um, And Andy ends her story by quoting somebody named Edgar Watson Howe, who wrote, When a friend is in trouble, don't annoy him by asking if there's anything you can do. Think up something appropriate and do it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Andy says, I've learned that we all have it within us to give, and we should put aside any thoughts that we're interfering and just go for it. And we talked about that before, after the Monica Anderman story about the little Christmas tree for her mother-in-law. But if you have that inclination to do it, just do it. Don't second-guess yourself. Right, right. 
That's true. It's a beautiful story. It's about contributing to someone else's happiness. In return, the joy comes back tenfold in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. Are there other chicken soup products that will make wonderful gifts for the holiday season as well? Well, in addition to some of the books that I mentioned to you, mm-hmm. um, we did we did put out new versions of chicken soup for the preteen soul and chicken mm-hmm. soup for the teenage soul. We did uh, a 20th anniversary edition of chicken soup for the preteen soul. And so about a quarter of the stories are new. Uh, so the book is way more up to date. Like it's got yeah. the old classics that kids love, but also a bunch of new stories about home, you know, like doing remote school and social right. media and all the relevant topics today. And we did a 25th anniversary edition of Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. And, you know, we also have um, treats for dogs in our pet food business. We have a really wonderful cool. pet food business that makes dog and cat food. So the treats are always great. In fact, that reminds me, I got to get some dog <laughs> treats for my visiting grand dogs. There you um, go. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we have a little bit of everything for people, books, kids stuff, stuff for your pets. And then, of course, you can watch our movies um, mm-hmm. for free on Crackle. Wonderful. That's beautiful. Can you give us a preview of what we can expect from Chicken Soup in 2022? So we have some really good books coming up um, in the first four months of 2022, and I'm in the middle of you know, working on all of them. Mm-hmm. So we have a book called Believe in Angels, which is at the printer now. It's coming out in January. We have a book that's about to go to the printer called Grieving, Lost, and Healing, which is an extraordinary collection of stories. I was blown away by the power of these stories and how comforting they are and and how understanding they are, these stories. I mean, I think they're going to be really helpful for people who are mourning. And we don't just have stories about grieving for someone who has died. Mm-hmm. We have stories about grieving for a lost future also, somebody who's been diagnosed with you know, a chronic illness, something like that, because you have to go through a grieving process for your lost future also. And then we have a book coming out in March called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Kindness Matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's all kinds of stories about random acts of kindness and how doing acts of kindness for other people makes you feel so good. Um, and then in April, we have a humor book coming out called Too Funny. So, We have a lot of variety coming out in the first four months of 2022. Wonderful. That's really fantastic. I'm looking forward to discussing them with you in 2022. That's fantastic. Looking forward to it. What wonderful recipes do you have for us as we close up today? I think I want to focus on the two ingredients Mm -hmm. that I think are the most important for making yourself a happy life. These are, I mean, when I think about all the stuff I've learned at Chicken Soup for the Soul, there are two powerful things that are head and shoulders above everything else. Mm -hmm. One is gratitude and one is forgiveness. And I don't think that you can be truly happy unless you have learned how to use 
the power of gratitude to see the blessings in your own life and the power of forgiveness to put the past in the past where it belongs. So especially during the holiday season when things can get testy with family members or whatever, sometimes it can bring (laughs) out old stressors, I would say get your gratitude going. Write in a journal. Do something to remind yourself about everything that you should be grateful for. And then in terms of forgiveness, remember that the person who did something to you isn't really doing it to you. They're just doing it because of something in their own life. And you got to, you know, redefine it, put it in its own little box, and put it in the past because it happened in the past. So why are you carrying it with you like a ball and chain, you know, into mm-hmm. your future? So true. That's very, very true. Well, Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in four weeks, Tuesday morning, January 4th, 2022. We're going to be kicking off the new year with my guest, Lisa Caprelli. She is an accomplished speaker, author, publisher, and brand creator. With a 10-year radio career overlapping 20 years in consulting and branding, Lisa strategically uses content and message branding to help companies grow. She's known for inspiring innovation in business leaders and has worked with businesses of all sizes, including Fortune 500 companies. Lisa and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how you can jumpstart your new year with a new you mindset. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a very best week. As always, Amy, it's been a true pleasure. A very Merry Christmas to you and everyone at Chicken Soup. Oh, thank you so much. We really appreciate it, and we we love having the opportunity to share the stories from our books on your wonderful podcast. Wonderful. Thank you again, and have a very blessed day. Bye. Thanks, Johnny. Bye-bye. Goodbye.